When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you know what I use to record these podcasts? It's Anchor by Spotify. It's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or a computer. It's all really, really easy. It's all really intuitive. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast. Good afternoon. Welcome to Sports Nothing But Sports with Kent Sterling for Monday, April 20th, 2020. Brought to you by the great people at Today's Dentistry. Call 317-849-2933 if you've got a dental emergency. Dr. Mike O'Neill still doing emergency dental work. So if you've got an emergency, make the call 317-849-2933. Let's talk about sports, shall we? Uh, the Last Dance, the first two episodes aired last night on ESPN, and I thought that they were fascinating. I thought it was a really interesting look, getting the, the kind of real deal reflection from Michael, from Scotty, from Phil, from the guys, from Steve Kerr, certainly, that they talked to. I thought it was really, really interesting. I could do without hearing from a lot of the guys who sort of surrounded what was going on, a lot of the media guys. I, I'm not altogether too interested about that. But I thought that hearing from the players, the protagonists in that 97-98 season for the Chicago Bulls was kind of fascinating. And, and I thought the window that it kind of it showed Scottie Pippen through was very interesting, too. Because Scottie Pippen, in my mind, was always kind of an immature guy and an insecure guy in comparison to Michael Jordan. I think almost anybody would be would look immature or insecure when compared to Michael Jordan, right? Michael Jordan knew what he was doing financially. He knew what I was doing what he was doing on the basketball court. He just flat knew what he was doing. And Scottie Pippen never really understood. And the story they haven't told in in uh The Last Dance yet is about his arrest on misdemeanor gun charges in Chicago, and this is in nineteen ninety four. He gets, uh, they, they have to break into the car because he was parked illegally. And so they break the window of his Range Rover and they say that they see a gun in plain sight. And later, the charges were dropped when uh, a judge didn't buy that they saw it in plain sight anyway. So Pippen gets arrested on this gun charge and he told the media, look, I got to protect myself. You know, there are people out there who may recognize me. They know they've got money. They may prey upon me to, to you know, rob me, that kind of thing. And, you know, I can't have that. So, yes, I, I do carry a gun. All right. Now, he also had vanity plates on his Range Rover that said, duh, pip. Who the hell else is it going to be? He's calling attention to himself, and then he's arming himself just in case people, nefarious people, try to rob him well you know what how about have lf1795 as your license plate number and how about drive some kind of sedan 
Nobody's got darkened windows. Nobody's going to have any idea that it's Scottie Pippen. But here's the way Pippen did stuff. Pippen created this problem of recognition by having the vanity plate and then tried to correct the problem by carrying a gun. So what he really did was just create a different set of problems by trying to solve the original problem instead of solving the original problem at its core. So here's how it correlates to something in The Last Dance. The contract that Pippin signed uh, seven in 1991, seven years, uh, almost $20 million, uh, $19.445 million. So here's what he could have done. Instead of getting the, the foot surgery immediately prior to the beginning of the season, so he had to sit 38 games during the season, what he could have done is blamed himself for signing a bad deal, right? And, and not gone back to the Bulls and said, renegotiate my deal. Renegotiate the contract. Reinsdorf doesn't do that. So he said, no, you sign the contract, live up to the contract. Pippen thinks, screw you. I want to enjoy my summer, so I'm not going to have the foot surgery until we get through the summer. Then I'm going to have it, and I'm going to miss 38 games. So there you go. That's Scottie Pippen identifying a problem that he himself caused by demanding the long-term deal so he could take care of his family forever just in case he got injured. I get it. I get the reason why. But then on the back end, six years into the seven-year deal, you can't turn around and say, well, geez, you know, who knew that we were going to win all these championships, for God's sake, and that uh, I, I really feel like I deserve to get paid. So let's tear up the contract that is now very team-friendly and very uh, anti Scotty Pippen. Let's tear that up, and let's negotiate a new one because I'm deserving. Clint Eastwood says it in Unforgiven. Deserves got nothing to do with it. Deserves got nothing to do with it. Repeat it with me. Deserves got nothing to do with it. And it doesn't. What, what is true is what is in black and white on the contract that you signed. And if you don't understand that, you're a child. Michael Jordan always understood that the way to wealth, and, and LeBron James understands this too, the way to great wealth is through marketing, through branding. That's what you do. There is no limit on the amount of money you can make. There's no salary cap for making money off the court, doing marketing. You can make all the money you can there. For, uh, in your NBA contract, they have a salary cap. And it's a fairly punitive salary cap. It's soft, but you know what? If you go into kind of that, that penalty phase, if you, if you exceed the cap by so much and you get into the luxury tax, that's no bueno for teams. And all of a sudden, they're digging deep into their pockets. All right, so you think about marketing. And Scottie Pippen was never marketed at a really high level. That also is his fault. So a lot of things Scottie did that... There were problems that he himself caused through his immaturity. And I'm not going to say greed because the motivation wasn't greedy. It was that he wanted to take care of his family. So it's not a matter of greed, but it is a childishness that he felt like there was no comeuppance. There was no consequence for his mistakes. He's got the vanity plate, so he's got to carry a gun. Get rid of the vanity plate, you dope. 
All right, he signs a bad contract. So instead of nutting up and understanding that here is the way adults behave, what he does is something different. And he gets his surgery on his foot immediately prior to the regular season. That we learned yesterday. And we also learned that both Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan were bullies. And you know what? A really interesting conversation with an Indianapolis sports figure um, today, this morning, said, do, do you think that if Jerry Krause were a bigger athletic guy with an attitude, do you think Jordan and Pippen would have gotten all over Jerry Krause in the way that they did, in the way that they showed it in the last dance? And the answer, of course, is no. As a human being, you've got to set boundaries. And those boundaries have to exist within the parameters of the available consequence that you can bring to bear against the people who are acting against your best interest. If you get mocked, you got a choice. You can take it or you can fight. I think you fight. And I know that Jerry Krause ain't going to punch. What's he going to do? Punch Michael Jordan in the knee? I get it. But you cannot allow these guys to come at you and bully you and bully you and bully you because once you do that, all bets are off and they have a license to continue without consequence, and that's a crappy place to be for, for a guy like Jerry Krause. Now he was well-paid, and he outlasted all those guys, but you know what? That And he died three years ago. Can we quit crapping on Jerry Krause for the love of God? You know, nobody likes Jerry Krause in Chicago. He was laughed at by everyone. Everybody called him crumbs because it was reported that Michael Jordan called him crumbs, which is, I mean, it's it ate a lot of donuts and the crumbs that get all over his suit. And there you go, or his shirt or his sweatsuit had crumbs. So is that a nice thing? No, especially when the guy's no longer here to defend himself. It's not a nice thing. Jerry Reinsdorf kind of tried to defend him last night, said he liked Jerry, that Jerry did a good job. Steve Kerr kind of defended him, said he did a great job of building the roster, but couldn't get out of his own way. Let's just quit crapping on Jerry Krause, a guy who's no longer around to defend himself. Can we do that? I can't wait for episodes three and four. I think they're doing two every Sunday for the next five weeks. At least I hope that's what they're doing. I don't want to do it. This can't last until like the end of June, right? They're not going to do it one a week into June, are they, after this past week? I hope they do it in two-hour chunks. I'd like that a lot. I think it's very, very interesting. And you get a, a really clear look at Michael Jordan and how much it meant to him to win. I think that's very cool. And Michael Jordan, prior to this thing airing, said nobody's going to like him after it ends. Maybe there's stuff coming up in future episodes that will change our perspective on Michael Jordan. But through two episodes, he's exactly who I thought he was. Michael Jordan is just a killer, and all he wants to do is win. He doesn't care if he makes a friend or an enemy. What he wants to do is win basketball games. He is there to win. That's it. That's the whole nut of it with that guy. That's all he cares about when it comes to the team for whom he played. And we get to see that, and that's kind of cool. Phil Jackson, I I think we'll see more of Phil Jackson coming up. That'll be interesting. Uh, Although we've got books. I mean, the last season, he's written book, a couple of books, and, and they're fascinating books. But we know, we know Phil Jackson. We know that Phil Jackson thinks very highly of his own intellect. And that's cool. That's fine. Um, it did a thing yesterday, a podcast with Alex Golden. 
And we talked about the best players in NBA history. I don't think that there's any doubt that the best overall player in NBA history is Michael Jordan. He changed the game. The other top 10, those are are up for debate. I don't think the top spot's up for debate. It's not LeBron James, And, and for a variety of reasons. Number one, LeBron, not a lot of charisma, right? Michael exudes to this day charisma. Great smile, great sense of humor. LeBron James is more, I mean, that's like, that's like rooting for a Sherman tank, right? He's just, he's unbelievably sculpted. He is, he's got all the weapons and he goes out and, you know, but to me, he's always been a corporation. You know what? He's never had that, that crazed, I got to win mentality that Michael Jordan had. I don't think. I, I at least we haven't seen that. Everybody's a little bit different. If you think if you think it's LeBron, you can think it's LeBron. That's fine. It, it's a fun argument. But I am absolutely certain that I'm right that it is uh, Michael Jordan. Butler got a transfer. Kid named Jair Bolden. He's six three. He's a pretty good shooter out of South Carolina. He also played for George Washington. So first two years George Washington, then a transfer year. Last year South Carolina. Now he's coming to Butler for his grad eligible year, and we'll see what he brings to the party. Like I said, pretty good shooter, and he was a good defender when he was at South Carolina. And then really sad news: Ronald Newman, the father of Purdue basketball player Brandon Newman, passed away over the weekend from coronavirus. He was a Chicago cop. He was 59 years old. The life of a Chicago cop is not an easy one. We thank him for his service. Our prayers are with Brandon Newman and his family and his extended family with Purdue basketball. Very, very sad. Terrific piece at IndyStar.com written by Kyle Neddenrip talking about the Lawrence Central sectional. Five people died who attended it. Five people died of coronavirus. I I think that, you know what, there's been some vindication. There's some people who are a little bit upset with Bobby Cox for ending the state tournament when he did prior to the regional. Maybe they could have played in empty gyms, that kind of thing. But I think that Bobby Cox, the outgoing commissioner of the IHSAA, did exactly the right thing. I think we continue to do the right things with the coronavirus I think we need to understand better how it works and what the true fatality rate is before we jump back in. But I think we got to build that kind of that uh, bank of information quickly. We need to find out what the deal is. Are the people who say that the fatality rate, the true fatality rate is between 0.1 and 0.3% or is it from 1% to 3%? Because the difference between those magnitudes is astounding. If it's 0.1 to 0.3%, then it's kind of like the, the fatality rate of a flu. A more, uh, a more communicative disease than the flu, because with the flu, you have vaccination that is effective, let's say, 70% of the time. If they had a vaccine that prevented 70%, of the coronavirus spread, you could reopen businesses today, all right? But we need to know, not guess, we need to know what the fatality rate of the coronavirus is for a certainty before we get really aggressive about reopening stuff. And so everybody take a deep breath. The people who are protesting, protest your asses off. Have fun protesting. 
I'm with you 100%. You feel like something's screwy? Absolutely say something screwy. No problem. But what we also need to do is we need to demand a testing protocol that kind of shines light on the fatality rate and on how many people have the antibodies and all that stuff. And if we don't have it, if we don't have that data, then we got a problem. Then we're operating in the dark, and we don't want to operate in the dark. We need to know the information, just like with the NFL draft. You want general managers who get to know the players a little bit so they can project more accurately whether these guys are going to be productive members of a team or non-productive members of the team. Are they wing nuts? Are they good competitors? Are they killers like Michael Jordan? Or are they kind of goofballs? Like we, we've got some of those guys. Are they goofy like Antonio Brown? Crazy talented, but a complete whack job. What are these guys? And you got to look at that. You got to uncover everything in the, in the NFL draft. You got to do it in the NBA draft, too. Let me go back to the Bulls for a second because this is interesting to me. Uh, I was texting with the great Michael Karras a little bit earlier. Michael lives up in Lake Forest, Illinois, and, and we were camp counselors together up at Camp Menominee in Eagle River, Wisconsin. And so we've kept in touch, and we'll talk about sports periodically. And we were talking about that, we were texting back and forth about the last dance. Why weren't the Bulls able? to maintain after 98 their competitiveness why did they they blew it up and then what was the result of blowing it up the result was terrible they drafted number one overall number four overall number four overall and then number two overall and do you know who they got in those drafts they got elton brand they got uh marcus pfizer they got eddie curry and they got Jay Williams. Those four guys all drafted in the first four drafts. And granted, those, those four drafts were not the best in NBA history. That's for damn sure. But they got those four guys all in the top four. And all of those drafts were managed by Jerry Krause. So tell me all about Jerry Krause and what there's some people coming to his defense. And I don't mind that because there's good stuff to think about with Jerry Krause, too. But Jerry Krause, left to his own devices, he kind of sells Reinsdorf on the idea of blowing it up and restarting and let's get after it the right way instead of doing it this way. And as though winning six championships in eight seasons is somehow uh, an experience that was lacking for the Bulls and for Bulls management. So anyway, there's Krause saying, come on, here we go. And so they get the number one draft pick overall in 1999. They draft Elton Brand, who's gone after a year, after being rookie of the year. Uh, year two, they, they go out and get Pfizer. Yeah, good. Three, Eddie Curry. Four, Jay Williams, who, who has the motorcycle wreck that ends his career. That is Jerry Krause. That's, Jerry Krause is every bit as responsible for that as he is for any part of those six championships with a Michael Jordan that he inherited from his predecessor, Rod Thorne. So there you go. I feel bad for Jerry Krause, but let's not elevate this guy in, in, you know, in memoriam to the stature 
of one of the great general managers in the history of the NBA, because that isn't true either. Anyway, the uh, the NFL draft, first round's coming up Thursday night. They had the dress rehearsal today, and the technology all went crazy. I was listening to the Dan Dockett show a little bit earlier today on 1070 The Fan. What Dan say? Dan said, um, you know what, I, I, you got a thing called a phone. Is there anything wrong with calling somebody to convey information? Why not keep it simple, stupid? Absolutely right. Speaking of the NFL draft, Rick Venturi today on 107.5 The Fan, 4 o'clock with JMV. He's going to have his pre-draft analysis. Rick Venturi studies film relentlessly. This isn't a guy who's guessing. This is a guy who's broken down everybody. He knows everybody, and he's going to tell us what he thinks the Colts and Chris Ballard should do in the draft Thursday night when they really don't have a pick, but they could trade into the the latter part of the first round. And there are a few really good reasons to do that. Two picks on Friday night in the second round, one in the third. And uh, then Saturday is going to be a lot of fun, too. But I can't wait to hear Rick's insight as he talks to JMV a little bit later this afternoon at 4 o'clock. This has been Sports and Other But Sports with Kent Sterling. We'll be back tomorrow morning with Breakfast with Kent, bright and early, 8 o'clock on Facebook Live, and then at about 8.15 on Twitter slash Periscope. Brought to you by the great people at Today's Dentistry.